Hey guys, welcome to 10 Minute A Push with me, Mr. Weisler. So today's episode, I hope the audio sounds good. I'm actually recording in my car as I'm driving home. So uh, kind of a change of location from our normal spot. So because I'm by myself, it's just me. And what I want to talk today about is slavery, but also about triangular trade. Now, when I talk about triangular trade, what I mean is I mean the movement of goods and services from Africa to Europe to the New World. And think of it as Colombian Exchange 2.0. So with triangular change or trade, rather, what we are looking at is what goods and what items are going back and forth. And let's start in Africa. One of the main things coming from Africa to the New World is going to be you guessed it, slavery, African slaves. Now we talked in class about how Bacon's Rebellion led to an increased demand for African slaves because they are seen as a much more manageable labor force than indentured servants. Uh, The overwhelming majority of African slaves are actually heading to the Caribbean, not to what will become the United States. In the Caribbean, they're working on sugar plantations and to a lesser extent, coffee plantations. And slavery in this area is the most brutal in the new world. Uh, Very, very high death rates, uh, very, very cruel conditions, hot weather. It is absolutely horrid. Now, to a lesser extent, slaves are coming to North America. And slavery in North America is going to be focused on a couple of main cash crops. One, you have tobacco. Tobacco, huge demand for tobacco to be going to the new world. I'm sorry, to, to the old world, to Europe. Second is going to be uh, rice. Rice, we don't think of that as being the cash crop, but it is a huge cash crop. And rice is being grown primarily in South Carolina, and that is being traded actually to the Caribbean. So that's one, another leg of our triangle. Coming from the Caribbean to North America is also molasses. Molasses, uh, you may be most familiar with molasses as a sweetener, but molasses is also essential to making rum. And rum will be distilled in the uh, in the new in the new world in North America, in New England, and in Virginia, and then it will be sold either locally in the Caribbean or in England. Also, when we're looking at New England, we're talking about large numbers of uh, shipbuilding enterprises and lumber building enterprises. You have untouched forests in New England that is really just waiting to be used uh, in terms of uh, naval stores and shipbuilding. So that's also going to be going to England. When we're looking at slavery in the New World, a part of the story that often gets overlooked is the role of New England. I know you're not thinking that because you're thinking, okay, wow, slavery is concentrated in the southern portion of the United States. It's going to be uh, plantation-based labor, which is all correct. But we know the merchants in North America, they don't live in the South. They live in New England. Shipbuilding is huge. Trading is huge. So the ships that transport the slaves from Africa to the New World are going to be routed through New England and controlled by New England merchants to the point where at one point Rhode Island, a place you don't think of with slavery, is the major slave trading port. This part of history is often overlooked and we tend to focus on uh, the South's role in slavery, but we have to realize we're talking about importation of slaves, the, the, uh, the North is just as guilty as the South. The South has the demand for the labor, and it's the North is the ones who are making sure that labor demand gets met.
This system of triangular trade will make merchants very, very wealthy. It will also make the plantation owners in the South extremely wealthy. And if you're the English, you want to control this trade with your colonies. You don't want anyone else buying your stuff. And that is where what England has, that, that leg of the triangle comes in now as well. England is going to be selling to its colonies finished goods. There are no large-scale factories in the New World. You don't want that if you're England. You want your colonists only buying materials and goods from the mother country. So if you want to buy um, yeah, a rifle, let's say, your rifle is going to be built in England, and by law, you can only buy that material from England. That's called the Navigation Acts. They're passed in 1660, and they were kind of on again and off again reinforced or enforced over the next hundred years. So when they are being enforced, you can only buy certain things once they've gone through an English port. If you want tea from India, that's great. That tea from India is going to be owned by the East India Company, which is a uh, which is chartered by the English government. Before you can buy any of that tea, it has to go through a British port first, like London. So if you only buy from one person and you can only buy it after it goes through an English port, what do you think happens to the cost? Well, if you said the cost would go up, you are absolutely correct. The cost of these materials is going to increase. We also know that when you have a monopoly, prices can rise. And again, the English have a monopoly on trade with their colonies. The French have a monopoly on trade with their colonies, and so do the Spanish. This whole system is known as mercantilism. In mercantilism, you want to make sure your colonies only trade with you, because guess what? At the end of the day, those colonies exist for only one reason, and that is to make sure that they make the mother country, in this case, England, lots and lots of money. So I hope you enjoy this short, car-driven episode of 10-Minute A-Push. And hopefully I'll be back recording with Miss Gomez and Mr. Gomez soon this week. Y'all have a great day and hear from y'all soon.